You're listening to the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt, from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from RAGBRAI. So this is the podcast where we talk about bicycles just for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from across the nation. We're going to be joined by guests each week to talk about the social side of cycling. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with the smile. What's going on in the bike world for you, Mark? What's what's on your bike hey, radar? It's like the fall Super Bowl of bicycling. It's it's Jingle Cross, World Cup of Cyclocross racing this week, and the entire the entire town's getting pretty excited about this. Um, I, I just rode by the fairgrounds the other day on on Sunday uh, with my bike class, and and it was just a frenzy of activity over there fences going up and and banners and and cool. uh, uh people raking up off uh, mount crumpet to make sure it's free of debris and ready for racing it's going to be an outstanding event and, and the weather uh, unfortunately i think the weather looks good unfortunately you wanted you wanted mud again on mount well, crumpet you know you know, it's part of cyclocross. You know, you you and I have been to a couple of these races, and and they're fun, and it's fun to watch the pros race, and and you know, if it's muddy and 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 makes it that much more difficult and miserable, um, it's it's a lot more fun to watch, and and uh, you'll never forget the sound of a derailleur exploding right <laughs> in front of you. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's the way that race uh, yeah. that race can be, but. If it's dry, it's going to be fast and exciting, and and uh, that's yeah, okay. It's going to be a totally different race. Well, you know, you yeah. will not regret if you come out there because if it's you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going out to the Johnson County Fairgrounds for Jingle Cross, and obviously the UCI World Cup Cyclocross event as well on Sunday. This is cyclocross at its absolute finest. So if you know nothing about the sport whatsoever, you're just kind of curious. Uh, it's a whole lot of fun for, for those that have never seen the sport whatsoever, or those that are just absolute fanatics and everything in between. So, so come on out. I think it's what free on Friday and Saturday. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, it's, it's free. And then I think there's a gate charge on uh, Sunday for the world cup races. I think it's like $5 oh. if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah. but check it out. I mean, it's, it it's well worth the effort if you're anywhere near the area. Now there's all kinds of things you, you've you've been out there before. I've been out there before, but that's cyclocross is is not like other bicycling events. It's it's compact into one kind of park like area, and that's where we're at. So there's a lot of different vantage points that you're going to be able to look at the races and races. These these pro races can go an hour, so you can start at the start line, see everybody just fly past you. And, uh, then, uh, people start hiking around the course, finding different vantage points where they want to watch if it's the, the barriers that they're jumping over, or if it's the flyover section that they go over top on a bridge and then down on a, on a stair climb, or if it's the famous Mount Crumpet, this is this, the hill that just goes straight up into nowhere. Um, and they have a DJ up at the top and it mm-hmm. turns into a big kind of dance party. Nothing wrong with so, that. That's. Yeah, they even brought their own bar to the top. Um, so it's, uh, you know, got Deschutes beer flowing up there, DJ tunes pumping, everybody's everybody's jiving, and then the racers start to go up that hill. It's amazing. 
Very cool. And we yeah. might have a Grinch sighting up on Mount Crumpet. Is that is that true? Yeah, you know, the, the Jingle Cross theme is, uh, is you know, that uh, Dr. Seuss, uh, the Grinch Stole Christmas sort of theme. So uh, race director John Meehan, I believe, uh, disappears and comes back as the Grinch. Uh, and he's kind of the master of ceremonies throughout the event. And, and it's just super exciting to uh, to have that fun and that, that element. You know, it, and it's for a cause, too. And I don't think a lot of people know that it's not just racing. This is one of the only World Cups where the profits aren't going into somebody's pocket. He donates everything back to the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. Very cool. Uh, John, John, if you didn't know, is a, is a pediatric robotic surgeon. And uh, the University of Iowa gave him his start, and and this is his payback for that, and, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, super yeah. guy. Yeah, coming up another event. Uh, it's the People for Bikes Draft event, which is on September fourteenth, and that's in Coralville. Uh, Kathy Murphy and Andrea Parrott have been running that, and they have a whole slew of speakers signed up uh, to come and talk and do some business networking and. And bicyclists just get a network with bicyclists. I think that's going to be kind of fun. Nothing wrong with that. No, it sounds yeah. like a fun event. So lots, lots going on in the bike calendar. Just because summer has coming to an end does not mean that the bicycling gets to cease and desist in the state of Iowa. So lots of cool stuff coming up, obviously, draft, followed by Jingle Cross. And then I think right after that, we're hopping a plane. I, I know Ragbri and Iowa Bike Coalition uh, will make our normal pilgrimage the last in your bike, they'll actually be in Las Vegas. So looking forward uh -huh. to that. Yeah, we're going to move this show on the road, I think, a little bit. Um, I'm anxious to get back to Vegas and, and see that last interbike. I know it's going to be a different one, a little different vibe to it, but I've got all kinds of appointments with uh, with people set up, and, and uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation out there. We're working on the Iowa Bike Expo, and, and I know that seems months away, but now's the time where I get a lot of work on that on that done. So uh, more bike industry that we can get involved in that, the better. And uh, we're making a big expansion on the Expo this year. We're moving to Hy-Vee Hall C, which is a bigger hall for us, and an opportunity to do demo tracks. Hopefully we'll have a bunch of e-bike vendors there. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, uh Exciting opportunity, and it, it for me, it starts in Vegas to see what they're doing there at Interbike, and, and then we bring back that uh, that business-to-consumer end in, in Iowa. So, yeah, it's Very important. Cool. And we're always looking to um, find ways to just better RAGBRAI as well. And so we'll ac actually meet with quite a few of the vendors, a lot of merchandise vendors and, and different things like that. We're just about done with our logo for, for 2018, and October – 20th we'll actually put that that bad boy out so um Ooh. you know take take a look put that on the calendar october 20th but um we'll be working on our jerseys and, and different things like that but just always looking for things that we can improve the event we never want to just sit back and just say oh you know that was good let's let's do it again always looking to you know make it safer more enjoyable for all those people and if we can do that you know picking up some good ideas we got lots of friends out there that we go visit with that out in las vegas last year like i said for for interbike there but um always a good time out there and we look forward to seeing lots of friends and making some new ones just coming up in so, about, about just over a week on the logo 
Um, have you thought about what, what happens this year? I mean, you've done the little <laughs> mystery story elements to it. You've released little bits and pieces. I mean, is that framed up? Is that ready to go? We're, we are oh so close. It, it pretty much turns over a new leaf. When we put the logo out is the first, uh, you know, kind of uh, sprout of, of the new tree and is popping mm. out of the ground. So pretty soon that'll be a, a, a majestic oak. But that first little glimmer of what's to come in 2018, uh, you know, it'll it'll kind of rise out of the ground and, and take flight, if you will. So, so we're really looking forward to getting that new logo out. Uh, we've got just an amazing uh, group of people who work on the logo, mainly Andrea Parrott, uh, and Suzanne Milosevic from from the Des Moines Register and the graphics department. Um, Suzanne's worked on a number of logos with us, and Andrea Parrott, who who also does Parrot Talk. She's um, you know just just a absolute just just those those two working together. We come up with some real creative ideas <laughs> to to make sure we have some fun with Ragbri. Should be able to do the creative meetings on bikes. That's, that would be the inspiring part. Well, so we've, we've, ride a little we've, bit. we've done a few of those. You got to get yeah. in that. You got to get the karma going. So yeah. you got to right think. Right frame of mind. You got to, you yeah. know, it's kind of like Bill Murray said, you got to think like the rodent, like think like the gopher, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like that. You got to think like a rag briar. And so if we, nice. you know, if we just kind of went into a normal kind of boardroom, that would be boring. So again, you got to, you got to think like the gopher. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so we've got a, we got, I think an interview for a little cross the, the pond trip on, on bicycles. So I think that's going to be an interesting little one. I don't know what, what's in store, but I heard it's a little, little bike getaway by a a good friend of ours. It's Mackenzie Elmer. Mackenzie Elmer. Uh, She's a newsroom reporter for the Des Moines Register. I think covers city beat now. Um, She has done some feature stuff on bicycling. Uh, and the fatality issues that we've had over over the past couple of years. So uh, she's been great to work with, uh, excellent uh, excellent journalist, and sounds like took a bike adventure. So that's going to be kind of yeah. cool. I'm I'm anxious to hear more about it. Well, well, let's get to it then. Show is made possible by Primalware, one of the best custom jersey and shorts companies. If you're looking for apparel, shorts, bike jerseys, gloves, socks, all those things, you can find find them at Primalware. Hello, Just Go Bike listeners. This is Kyle Munson one of the hosts of this podcast. I love bicycling. I love everyday bicycling. But you know what? I have not bicycled in Europe, and I haven't taken my bike overseas. And I'm here with co-host Brian. Hello. Brian Powers, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? And I'm doing fine. Uh, Happy to be here. And I'm happy also to be here with our guest, somebody you've probably heard in this podcast before. Let's welcome Mackenzie Elmer into the studio. Hello. And um, one of the co-hosts, Mark Wyatt, sat down with uh, Mackenzie before. She's a fellow journalist and spends a lot of time reporting on bicycling in Iowa and the Midwest. But we're going to talk to her today about a recent adventure on the bicycle. Um, let's see. Mackenzie, As I, I remember before you left, we heard all about this through social media, Facebook and everything, how you and, um, you and Jacob were going to go bike across Norway. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. I, I always was like, said it with a hint of like sarcasm or <laughs> doubt. <laughs> I was impressed. I was like, Me go too. for it. <laughs> was a very impressive idea. <laughs> How did you guys even get the idea? Um, Jacob swears that I came up with the idea to bike across Norway, but I thought it was his idea. So we didn't ever come to a conclusion on that. But uh, Jacob, uh, he's never been out of the country, and I've done a fair bit of traveling. And so I just said, where do you want to go? And he has Norwegian heritage in his family. I think his grandmother is maybe 100% Norwegian. So he wanted to go visit his uh, like homeland. Um, and he's uh, quite an avid cyclist, and I'm just sort of learning through him and said, okay, let's go and bring our bikes. And yeah, we thought that would be easy. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I've, you know, I've never, I, I, of course I put my bike on the car rack and I drive all around with it, but I've never really traveled extensively with my bike. Have you done that, Brian? I've, no, the farthest I've gone is, yeah, Chicago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I took, I took the bike on the car on the, all the way down south to Mississippi this year. So that was a lot of fun. Nice. And I was biking in Memphis and so I love just the road trip with the bike. So you guys committed to flying with your bike. Yeah. <laughs> what does, how do you even go about, what, were you at, at home the night before the flight with uh, wrenches <laughs> dismantling your bike? Or Actually, how does that work? Actually, we, we seriously, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some, a lot of beer was involved too. So, um, uh, so we, I don't know why, how we got this idea. We just thought, oh, we'll just bring our bikes. It'd be fine. Um, and we I did a lot of like reading on Reddit uh, groups, trying to find you know hints about what's the best way to transport your bike overseas. Um, and uh, we also watched a lot of. There's a YouTube. Uh, wow, it's like this bicycle tourist. Or I'll I'll give you guys the link so people can watch him. But he does a lot of cycling exclusively through Norway, bike packing, um, yeah. which I learned is um, you do like off road. Uh, it's like off-road bike touring is the specific thing, I wow. suppose. Without, without YouTube and Reddit, I'm not sure where we'd be as a society <laughs> today. Not biking across Norway. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> to look at books or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we just, we found really cheap tickets. Well, really cheap relative to, because Norway, I also found out, was like one of the most, is one of the most expensive countries in the world. Um, and uh, there were cheap tickets to us or to Bergen, so we just bought the tickets and then figured out everything else afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A good impulse trip. It was. It was an impulse trip. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, explain this to me. Are you packing when you fly with bikes? Are you packing them into what? And then you, what you right. drove them to the airport inside the car? Well, so okay, we we flew Delta, and. It depends on which airline you choose. So actually, initially we thought maybe we'll ship our bikes and just like send them via mail and then we can pick them up when we get there. That was really expensive. So then obviously we were stuck with Delta. So they charge $150 uh, per bike to fly overseas. Wow. Oh, there's some airlines, I think a lot more European airlines that are that offer that service for free. And I had been reading some other, I think there's an article in the Washington Post too about how ridiculous these bicycle fees are because most people when they fly with their bikes come to find that that there's no extra care taken with that type of luggage. It's just like a, you know, it's just a fee that they can put on something, you know. Um, yeah. So I had also read a Reddit feed where a, a guy was like really stressing that you should put your bicycle in a clear plastic bag 
and roll it up to the counter. And then the baggage handlers are like forced to, you know, handle it with care because it's like it's just a bike and an au- there's nothing supporting it you have to kind of, so he, he was under the impression that this was like the best way to do it because by chance they would take extra care with your bike um, we decided and we also looked at um, hardcover cases but you have you have to like rent them and there's a daily rental fee and then we also so we were flying into Bergen in Norway and then we were leaving out of Copenhagen so we couldn't figure out a way to get our cases between those two locations so we gave up on that and just went with cardboard bike boxes which are really pretty high quality cardboard typically but um, we were really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Did you take any special precautions when packing? How did you physically pack a bike into a cardboard? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, (laughs) The initial packing I wasn't super involved because I was mostly just like drinking beer and getting excited about the trip, um, <laughs> I will admit. But yeah, so uh, we we wa- we watched some videos again um, on like how to pack a bicycle on a bike box, and we went to like Ace and bought some foam. They have really cheap like foam tubing that's already pre-cut, and we just like taped that around the frame, and we took off the uh, derailleur or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm also not the super, very experienced in No, that's okay. This is for the terms. everyday bicyclist. For everyday bicyclists. <laughs> The derailleur thing, and you wrap it in, just like wrapped it in bubble wrap, detach that. We had to, so we, it was a lot of trial and error. We had to take off, we took off the front wheel and sometimes the back wheel and like kind of just put the frame in and then put the wheels back in their spots. And um, then we put as much other kind of padding that we could find vis a vis our other gear. So we would like oh. put in our tools and our bike frame bags and some, our sleeping bag, our tent. We tried to put as much in the bike boxes that we could because the only other gear that we brought were the, our two panniers that carried all of our camping gear because we were also going to camp every night <laughs> <laughs> was our plan. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's how we, and we put our helmets in there too. And we just, it was actually really liberating once we got the boxes checked because all we had to walk around the airport were these like small panniers and I that was a nice way to travel. Wow. Um, yeah. Now I, I want to hear what percentage of all that made it to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it all made it. Wow. Um, we, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty good experience actually getting there. We had written things on our boxes. Um, like we were, you know, fragile bike, you know, this way up. But I also wrote like, hey, thanks, baggage handlers. Like trying to just see if that would help. Yeah, I don't know. I'd find a really cool baggage handler, which I did because on the I, when I love I, that they responded. Yeah, when I got my bike box back in uh, Bergen, <laughs> the baggage handlers had like written back to me like, "Hey, no problemo, man." Like, oh, that <laughs> a is couple too great. of the boxes. So yeah, um, but he did actually end up. Re- or Jake received a scratch on his frame somehow. I don't know. We don't know how because it was encased in foam. Um, but anyway, it and then oh, this is the this is the other hilarious part. Once we got to Bergen. Um, we we didn't really have a plan either about like how we had a hotel for the first night. That's the only thing that we had planned. So we knew we had somewhere to sleep. But we so we got off the plane and our boxes came through the baggage uh, claim area, whatever. And then we just were kind of pushing our boxes through the airport. And then we were gonna maybe like throw them on a taxi or try to walk them to the train, but they're each like 40, 60 pounds boxes. And then we saw these two French guys, like they had their bike boxes, the same as us, and they were just putting together their bikes in the like, <laughs> op- in the foyer of the airport. 
So we just did that. We just spent <laughs> <laughs> we just spent two hours putting our bikes together right after we got off the plane, and like tons of people were coming in and out, and it was kind of stressful. We were jet lagged, but we got through it. And then at the end, I went over to the airport guy, and I'm like, "Hey, we have these huge boxes. Like, what do you want us to do with them?" And he's like, "Just leave them there." <laughs> so we just left these huge boxes in the airport. I don't know. You know, for somebody different. else who's riding their bike to the airport. Maybe, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's an Maybe. exchange program. But you can never leave an open, huge box in an American airport, like, right. entrance. Right, Yeah, So that was, a, yeah. that was a really, uh, yeah. But we just, so all of this, why not just <clears throat> rent a bike when you get to Norway? Yeah, so that's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story. Uh, actually, that is really what I have been telling everyone. Uh, I mean, no, like, I can totally understand <laughs> wanting to ride your own bike. Like yeah. if you're going to do a big cross-country thing. But, I mean, if you... Yeah, uh, that is the conclusion I have reached. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it depends. I guess it depends on how long you're going abroad. Oh, okay. If you're going for a month, maybe. If, one thing, a couple things we decided after we were done with our trip. We needed more time. Um, need, like, a month or so to make it really worth, for, in my opinion, bringing your bike overseas unless ah. you're, like, incredibly rich and can handle all of the the travel expenses um uh yeah have a lot of time and then just the the bicycle idea the idea i thought was best would be either rent or buy a cheap bike when you get to the country and then just either leave it somewhere or like try to sell it again mm. um, which also takes time because we all we got to the point where we were thinking about selling our bikes really at the end of the trip <laughs> yeah instead of going through the hassle of repacking them correct and yeah <laughs> well so, so so what about more the experience of uh, Already, you've given like listeners, I think, an encyclopedia of good things to think about uh, if they're going to take their bikes overseas, right? I love that. Now, but what did you? What did it feel like to actually ride, say, in Norway, and to try to bike pack to I don't know wherever you were, the beach or wherever you were riding? What was that like? Yeah, um, I wish we had a beach <laughs> to ride to. Uh, we actually trained, so we trained, quote unquote, trained sort of like once uh, in Decora uh, for this trip because Decora is kind of like Norway in that it's very hilly. Yeah, it's very, it's <laughs> the a northeast. part of Iowa. Right? Yeah, beautiful northeast corner of Iowa. You, you've heard us talk about it as part of our Ragbri coverage this year. Ragbri went through uh, Decora. And, well, there are Vikings in Decora too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a very Norwegian. It is. Nordic fest. That's yeah, right. coincidentally, it's super Norwegian or something. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot. We did a big gravel ride. Well, big to me, big gravel ride from like Decor to Highlandville, which is a really cool little tiny town that people should check out. Um, so that was just practice of doing like hills and kind of off-road biking. And we packed our bags, our panniers, um, to, just so I could understand what it was like to pull that kind of weight. Um, and then, sorry, your question was when, when we got there, what was it like to bike in yeah. Norway? Um, it was really easy. I mean, it's just... That country has really got their stuff together, <laughs> uh, politically and socioeconomically. Um, there, so you know, we had public transit, a train to get uh, into town. We did make a tourist mistake, and we were supposed to buy tickets for our bicycle. Um, but the lovely police officer was very kind and didn't make us kick, didn't kick us off the train. <laughs> and um, throw the bikes off. <laughs> so yeah, we, uh, and that was something that you had to do a lot in Norway. You had to buy a, a ticket for your bicycle because they have special bike cars um, for you to get 
uh, you know, to and from your destination. So it was it was also another expense for us to bring our bikes and decide to travel by train if we could not do the the route that we had planned, which was actually quite often. Um, <laughs> that was just another suggestion I have is I guess if if you're if you're not super serious cyclist um, and you're not really familiar with the country, maybe actually go the extra mile and purchase some. Uh, Norway has a lot of. Um, great like trail associations and they have information about bicycle routes you just have to pay for them and we were like ah we can we can do it without without that but it might have been helpful to have those because in Norway there's mountains right so they have like miles long tunnels where you can't bike because you'll run out of oxygen or there are fumes there (laughs) in in the tunnels or yeah so it's dangerous um so how did you guys go about planning your routes just google maps actually well Jacob had used um it's a really good question I have an app he had planned like mountain bike based routes that he thought would work on Ride with GPS app. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, which was another way he showed me like what kind of elevation I was going to have to deal with. <laughs> like, and so he was like, okay, so this is Decora and this is, you know, Voss, Norway, and what you know, the elevation and the climb is going to be like. Um, so, yeah, we had all these routes, but it just, I mean, a couple, lot of things played into why we didn't successfully bike across. It was when we got there, we had some, we had to actually take an extra day in Bergen to go to a bike shop to fix our bikes. We sat outside a bike shop for like three hours fixing our bikes because something was off with both of our derailers, you know, stuff you don't expect. Um, but we had all our two, all of our tools and, and everything. Um, and, uh, and then obviously weather in Norway, it rains every day. It's quite cool also, but Norwegians have a saying, it's not bad weather, it's you have bad clothing. That's, cool. <laughs> so, That's why there are so many death metal bands from Norway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the weather. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so we had done a lot of, uh, we bought a lot of wool, which you don't ha- I mean, it doesn't s- get very stinky. Uh, it dries really fast. It's good and cool and cold and hot weather. Um, which is nothing I had to get used to. I wasn't a big like wool person, but then I was totally changed. And because we were, and Norwegians just carry around a backpack. Like you'll see a man, a businessman in a nice suit with like a, you know, Arcoptrix or whatever, <laughs> whatever those brands are, uh, bag with all of his like raincoat and umbrella and stuff, huh. just for whatever the weather changes. The like. chiropractors would probably say that's much more sensible than like a shoulder bag. Yeah. Or <laughs> so they probably have much better posture on average in Norway. Yeah, they have a lot better everything really. <laughs> Except, yeah, beer was so expensive. It oh. was like 16 bucks a can. That's, wow. That's the exchange rate. That was I, it good? They did have a really good brewery in Flom uh, where most of the, they had some really good IPAs actually. Like huh. Iowans nice. would be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, on this podcast we're about uh, stopping is as much fun as going a lot of times on a bike ride. Mm-hmm. What what was your favorite moment that you remember just off the top of your head from along the trail in Norway? Okay, well, um, Norway is like a country for like, I thought of water porn. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is the, cl- I mean, all of the water is just, it's glaciers and it's melting ice and snow. And so you never have to buy bottled water. You can just get, um, you can just drink tap water. <laughs> you can just drink tap water. <laughs> All yeah. the time. Uh, and 
you could actually, and we didn't really try this because we're uh, conscientious American water drinkers, and so we th- didn't think we could just drink straight out of like a stream. But then later we talked to the Norwegians, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is something you do all the time." Um, but my favorite, so what I, I say that because my favorite moment was um, we rode the Rallervägen, which is the most famous um, mountain bike trail in Norway. It's a 55-mile ride from Hagustal to Flam, and it's Basically, you're riding the service road that they used to build the rail line, which was like super life changing for the for Norwegians in the 1800s. They built like they built the rail line all by hand. It was like it was an incredible process, and they have a really cool museum in Flam that we checked out. Um, but a lot of like tons of Norwegians do it. They take um, their families. There's kids. There's you know old older retired folks. Just you know out on their bikes taking a ride and it's nice like crushed gravel and you're running I mean the first half of it is like a moonscape there's no mm-hmm. trees it's rocky it's like something out of Lord of the Rings and then there's uh, old abandoned like rail um, chieftains like people who like took care of the rail line I know that's a terrible word chieftains but they they turn a lot of those into like little cafes so you can go and like get a waffle and um the second half is just you start to get in fjord country and it's just huge waterfalls of crystal blue like water and it was it was just very it was just amazing um and then there was a yeah and there was a portion (laughs) of really sick downhill like rocky mountain biking which messed up my touring bike (laughs) 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 at the end of it jacob said you know this was not what your bike was made for um so (laughs) thank god you had that great beer waiting for you in flom exactly yeah there was like the best brewery was at the end of that on that route but in the middle of that route i was just going to say um we met a norwegian um who followed us outside on our way back to the bikes which bikes was a really good thing bikes were a good thing to have because it started a lot of conversations with people um and this guy, his name was Helen, and he, I forget exactly which town he was from in Norway, but he found out we were from Iowa, and he's like, oh, yeah, I have family in Emmitsburg. <laughs> the world is small. Blew our minds. <laughs> the world is small. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so I highly suggest uh, doing that if you ever go to Norway and you're into cycling. That's the thing you got to do, and definitely do it in two days. Like we, So we also thought you were supposed to we could just do it in one day or we were supposed to. So we were kind of like hustling through on our way to um, Flam. Now you said 55 miles, right? Yeah. So most people, I would think on here in Iowa or in the Midwest, sure, 55 miles, let's do it in a day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it it involved a lot of different um, terrain. Uh, We also, we had to hike a bike through some snow that covered, I mean, had melted down over the Oh my God! Yeah, wow. over the I tried to bike through it. I instantly fell. <laughs> I had never biked in snow before. I didn't know. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. It was, was this before or after the pork chop stop? Pork chop stop. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> sorry, this, this is not ragbri. That's right. Is <laughs> so some inside joke? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't even been on no, no, not pork chops, pancakes. You had like <laughs> waffles. No, the waffles. Stop. Waffles. Oh, stop. Yeah, right, That's right. right. Yeah, waffles okay. and pork chops. There you go. Ooh, yeah. Chicken yeah. and waffles. Chicken and waffles. Pork chops and waffles. That oh. could be good. Could work. They could go together. Um, yeah, yeah. You, I, I love how you just casually toss in there. Oh, yeah, and we hiked through some snow with our bikes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, well, it wasn't and these like. These aren't like lightweight carbon bikes you're riding either. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I am gr- I'm glad they weren't because I don't know how I would have packed a carbon bike yeah, for air travel. I wouldn't. Uh, another good point. 
I would probably get a hard case for that. Yeah. Um, so what were you guys writing? We were writing, we both had uh, salsas. I had a salsa Marrakesh, and he had a salsa Fargo that he put big fat tires on, which everyone was like in, confused about in Norway. Really? Yeah, like multiple times we had people being like, why are your tires so big? <laughs> well, they're just that way. Well, it, was <laughs> it was often in the city when people were, were confused, oh. which made sense. Um, but Did you see many fat tire bikes at all in Norway? I mean, No, just... and, and the other funny thing we... We found out, we talked to some Swedish guy at a, in a bike shop. He was really nice to us. And um, he said Norwegians, and I don't know if this is true, but he said Norwegians, you know, they'll, they'll, if there's a fad, they will all jump on it. And so they had already been through like a fat tire fad <laughs> or something. And they were mostly selling like Cannondale racing bikes. And actually we had um, been in Bergen like a month. They were all preparing for this huge racing this huge race in Bergen, an international race. I should have looked it up before I came in here, but um, and the whole town was like under construction for this. Like they had torn down whole buildings and were trying to prepare for this huge cycling race. So wow. yeah, they're really into that there. Wow. <laughs> Road but race? I think it was, yeah. And Bergen, you can do that. It's more, it's warmer there. There's not, they don't get as much snow. Okay. And I think more of the fat tire-ish mountain biking stuff is over near Oslo. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So. So you ended your journey. So you were in Norway, then you ended your journey in Copenhagen, right? Right. And what was that like compared to being in Norway and just the bicycle culture there? I, I don't know oh. how much you biked at all, but you were yeah, in, we in did. the middle of it. Yeah, Copen Copenhagen is uh, like tenfold what any city in Norway was as far as bike culture. I mean, that city has been completely reconstructed in order to make biking the easiest type of transportation possible. Um, wow. All of the and it's it you know the city is from like the 11th century. It's like it's a really old city. Um, so it's amazing how they were able to reconstruct all of their roads. You know, it, obviously drivers just had to kind of concede um, that cycling is kind of the dominant transport. And so most of their bike lanes were on these raised, um, like your a, a, a car would have to go over a curb to get into the bike lane. So it's like right next to a pedestrian walkway. And I often accidentally was walking in a bike lane and had to be pulled to safety because I would forget <laughs> that there was, I mean, it just looked like a big sidewalk, but um, it made biking really easy. There's a, there was a lot of congestion because it's a big city. And so you have, we had to get really comfortable with biking very close together um, with these other um, Danes. But it was, we looked really out of place too, because we were wearing an, a camping gear and helmets and most people in, were just biking in there, you know, you'd see women in skirts and, you know, fancy clothing, just cycling to wherever they're going. Um, and, it was, and the other thing was in Oslo, we didn't have to lock our bikes or in Norway actually at all. It's just, there's just not a big crime element there. And in Copenhagen, most people, we were really confused. Like people, people just seem to leave their bikes and, you know, by the hundreds in these bike racks. Sort of like reg <laughs> right, right, every day there. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually have these built-in. You buy Basically, whenever you buy a bike, it already has a built-in um, lock right around the back wheel tire. So it just locks to itself, and people just – you stick a key in, and you lock your bike. And um, we were thinking we should really bring that back over here because yeah. it's a lot less huh. um, cumbersome than a, you know, whatever we use. <laughs> right, So, right. yeah. 
Um, and the, I was just going to add the, so we had to get to Copenhagen from Oslo and the cheapest route we found was on a cruise ship. <laughs> we thought about biking through Sweden. Sweden doesn't allow bikes on any of their trains. Uh, we just ran out of time. So we paid like 127 bucks for a basically like a hotel room on a cruise ship. It was amazing how that was. It was a 17 hour uh, boat ride, but it got us there. Wow. <laughs> so. That's you, you made it work. So yeah. was it a similar scene in Denmark then before you came back where you're sitting in the hotel at night uh, dissembling your bikes and putting them in boxes? Or ah. Was, <laughs> was it a... Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> that, that day. Um, <laughs> so, no, actually, we... So we obviously biked. Our, that was our main transit in the cities, especially. Um, and we so we biked to our hotel, and it was kind of away from the center of the town so we had to get we had to find bike boxes and that was what we were most stressed about was finding a bike box and we went into one bike shop like the most touristy one we could find and we asked for bike boxes and they didn't like have any and like but there's thousands of bikes everywhere how do you not have a bike box you should just check the airport lobby to see who had left a bike bike box (laughs) right and uh yeah and then we called the like bicycle union and they didn't know like they couldn't figure out what we were trying to ask for and so we got really concerned and we and then i found a giant uh like mountain bike retail retailer and he, he just was kind enough to just give us his box, bike boxes for free. Nice. Oh, that's but awesome. that entailed us walking like two miles from our hotel to the train station because we needed to leave our bikes at the hotel. And then we had to go into town and we got our bike boxes from the retailer and then got back on the train and then walked like we had these huge boxes like walking <laughs> down Copenhagen streets. Um, and then the hotel, which was very kind people there, they... Um, let us into their basement and we uh just like took apart our bikes and used like basically garbage and recycling to package <laughs> it for the ride back <laughs> so resourceful it Very was resourceful, resourceful yeah and we didn't actually end up getting any scratches so i almost feel like it was better wrapping my bike up in garbage than, <laughs> than in materials i purchased did you guys hug your bikes when you when they were returned to you at the des moines airport uh, when you got back or uh yeah i mean i was well Actually, coming back through, it was, it was, the boxes were in worse shape. It looked like legit someone had slashed our bikes open, or bikes open, our boxes with like knives. There were we thought stuff had fallen out. Um, did you not write kind messages on the boxes? I did, and oh. they didn't respond. The American baggage handlers were not into that. Um, <laughs> that's fine though. <laughs> um, so we were, we at that point we were just so tired that we didn't even care. Uh, we just like, we got our. I broke, we landed in Minneapolis, and a friend came and picked us up in a truck. Oh, okay. So that's how we got to the airport <laughs> both times. Um, but, yeah, that was it was an experience. It was an adventure. Wow. And, you know, and I, Brian and I, we appreciate you coming on the podcast to impart wisdom and a, good, colorful stories to everybody else <laughs> before they embark on a Norwegian bike adventure. So will biking in Iowa be the same now? Oh, it's, good so, much, question. it's so much nicer. So much easier. <laughs> Purely because you don't have to like ship your bike to do it. You can I just go to the garage or like the experience of just. Do you just biking. mean it just like getting my bike out and riding around? Is it? Be- oh, is I it- meant more just yeah, just like riding in Iowa. Period. How? Did- I guess, I guess knowing what I have accomplished um, with my bike in another country, <laughs> um, 
it's a lot easier to commute to work or get back up the hill to my house after work <laughs> or, <laughs> or, you know, it actually, and I never thought I'd be the kind of person to like buy a cycling jersey and wear those spandex shorts, but I'm turning into one of those people because <laughs> I'm starting to realize like if you, you know, it's, it is about um, having the right gear and once you start getting into it, you kind of like now I'm thinking about maybe like cyclocross and doing some some races some more nice. off-road stuff Excellent. it sounds it sounds like it sounds like fun you're getting hooked you're getting hooked I know. just go by it's just happening. go by the mantra is working <laughs> well um, is, i do have one more oh, go ahead so uh how did jacob feel about like getting to go to his homeland essentially i mean yeah. did he ever feel that connection or find oh, that connection oh yeah i mean <laughs> was he, like I, I don't know if he's going to be well He's not here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can answer for him. We'll he get said. I, he said at times. I mean, we had a, a whole. This is a whole different story. But the culture of Norway and just the the people and their personality. He said multiple times, like, "Oh, this is the why I am the way that I am <laughs> about about a wow. lot of things." So I think he did feel uh, camaraderie with Norwegians, and and truly, uh, he's a very active person, and Norwegians just as a society are, and they, you know. They're all. They're very much about you know the solitude, and they'll go and ski on their own in the dark uh, for miles and miles, or take huge hikes up. I mean, they just they're just about challenging themselves, and it's just a society that's built around um, kind of everyone's success together as a oh, sorry <laughs> uh, as a culture. So that's really cool. <laughs> that is cool. Well, we've gone. We've strayed far and gone deep in this podcast, and thanks for going on the adventure with us, uh, Mackenzie. We have to ask what we always ask, and I'll be interested in your answer. What is your, And maybe this is something that is from your trip. What is your favorite kind of pie? I should say, like, reindeer pie or something. <laughs> but I, I didn't have any reindeer pie. Um, Did you have pie at all? No, I didn't have much pie. Just no, waffles. Norwegians right? don't eat a lot of sweets that I that I could tell. But yeah, we we ate waffles a lot. I don't know what was up with the waffles. Carbs. <laughs> like, yeah, carbo load. Um, pumpkin pie has always been my favorite. You know, got to be made by grandma though. So. All right, and yeah. we can go back in the tapes and listen to when uh, Mark check. Wyatt interviewed you and what you said then. Oh boy, and, and see if you're accuracy. telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was different. <laughs> But thanks well, for the conversation. Oh, no, thanks so much. And we'll uh, share some of uh, Mackenzie's photos on the Just Go Bike website and when we post the podcast online and publish it. Any last words, Brian? Last words of wisdom? No, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. And good luck on your trip, whoever's listening. <laughs> Love to hear about it. Hola, this is Andrea, and you're listening to Parrot Talk. For you, I haven't been away from the podcast for that long, but for me, it's been a couple weeks because I have been traveling to Spain with my family um, because my little brother just got married to a Spanish lady. So congratulations, Michael and Anna. Very happy about that. Um, so I ate so much paella, I can't even tell you, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a, a rice dish, rice and meat dish, either seafood or like chicken and rabbit. Um, it was really good. Um, and coincidentally, that is an awesome bike fuel. And we did a lot of biking while we were in Valencia um, because biking is a big thing there. I mean, it's a, a temperate kind of Mediterranean climate. Climate. It's not kind of Mediterranean. It is Mediterranean. But um, and it's really flat there. 
So you can bike everywhere. In fact, about 45% of people use bicycling as their main mode of transport Transport there. Um, and that number seems a little bit high, but not too high. You know, I got that number off of the internet, so I'm not totally sure about it. But there are a lot of people biking, like, instead of driving cars or using mass transit or anything like that. So it's kind of impressive. Um, elsewhere in Spain, it's more like 20%. I couldn't find a similar number for the U.S., but I'm sure it's a lot lower. I mean, we have a lot more space here, so people are mostly driving or taking the train or something like that. But just kind of set up differently. Um, I thought it was kind of cool, though. Um, I did some research after I got back, and it turns out that the mayors of Madrid, Valencia, and Barcelona all are really into public transportation, and they all take either walk or bike or use the train to get to work pretty much every day, which is kind of cool. Um, I know in the big cities in the U.S. that's more possible. I mean, like Des Moines only has a bus system. We don't really have trains or anything like that. Um, But it would be really cool if we moved towards more of a system like that just because um, it's nice to get to your destination and not have a vehicle to deal with. Like in Spain or many countries, I mean, even in Des Moines, they have a lot of bike shares. Um, So you hop on your bike in one place, you ride it to where you're going, you drop it off, and then you go about your business. And when you're ready to go home, you find another bike share and head on back. And that's the main difference between, say, Des Moines and Valencia is that there's just a lot more bike share stations. So you never have to worry about um, being able to find a place or being too far away from a place. Um, And they also have an app where you can kind of go in and like double check that there's going to be something available for you. Um, So it was really interesting. And, you know, their main historic city center, they have totally reduced the speed limit there to about 30 kilometers per hour, which I have no idea what that is in miles per hour. Um, I'm going to try to Google it while I'm talking. But um, it seemed pretty slow. Um, So it was kind of cool because you could look at all the different um, monuments around the middle of town. And you don't have to worry about getting creamed by a car or anything like that. Uh, 30 kph. Two miles per hour. 18 miles an hour. That's pretty slow. You know, I could probably bike 18 miles an hour. So anyway, that was really neat. Um, And so basically the middle of town is a pedestrian zone. Um, kind of like Iowa City has a ped mall downtown. I mean, it's kind of the same concept, uh, but it just makes it more like welcoming and kind of maybe not homey, but like just um, a place you want to be and spend time. Um, and then from there, they have a lot of bike trails kind of starfishing out from the middle of town. The place where we stayed was 18 miles from downtown. And there is a bike path basically from our front door at the Airbnb to the middle of town. Um, A lot of this is facilitated by, there used to be a lot of rivers there, or at least one big main river, and it would flood too much. And so they drained it, they rerouted it, drained it, and made bike paths there. So kind of a similar concept to the rail trail system that we have here. Um, And it was really cool. So I didn't ever have time to do that whole trip on my bike, Um, but I sure would have if I had time. Um, We did do some trail biking, which is so much fun. Um, But... There, the concept of cycling is less like um, extreme distance sports, although they do have that. Like the Tour of Spain was going on while I was there in Spain. Um, so they have the more like actually top level level athletic sports in cycling. But and it, they also have it for like every day, use it as your car, don't worry about it kind of cycling, where you're riding a cruiser um, or maybe a mountain bike or maybe a hybrid 
maybe not even wearing a helmet because you're not going over 10 miles an hour. Um, it's a lot more laid back. So we would ride our cruddy old mountain bikes down this little path next to what used to be a big river and just sort of cruise around. And it was really fun and it was actually really relaxing for a change. Um, I would liken it to, say, in the U.S., if you've ever taken a bike cruiser out on the, um, like, along a beach, you know, where you're just kind of relaxed and pedaling along and there's a big basket on your bike. And um, it was really fun. So I would highly recommend it. Um, and if you're not going to be able to go to Europe, why don't you just, you know, try out a cruiser in your own town and just sort of bike around and enjoy yourself. You know, it's nice to not have, um, not that we didn't have a specific destination, but like um, biking could be something different than just like long distance touring or um, let me see how fast I can get from A to B. The other thing that they had a lot of was uh, protected bike lanes and like specific bike markings on the streets. There was an actual uh, roundabout by our Airbnb that had a specific turnoff only for bikes off of the roundabout. So that was kind of fun. Um, but the protected bike lanes just give you that added level of exposure so that the cars are ready to see bikes and they're expecting bikes. Um, a lot of times when I'm biking in downtown Des Moines, people are just too sleepy or they're not expecting bikes. And I've had a lot of close calls just because people, not because they're malicious, they're just um, not looking for me, you know, or they're not paying attention to the smaller vehicles on the road. And they just, you know, continue on their course without looking left and right. Um, and it just seemed a lot safer. I know that a protected bike lane is not necessarily going to save me if someone is intent on murdering me or like crushing me in my bike. But, you know, it does help with like, hey, there's bikers here, like watch the heck out. So I like that. And I know as soon as I came back to Des Moines, I noticed that on Grand Avenue, they have a brand new protected bike lane. And I know they're becoming more and more common in the U.S. And I would love to see so many more of those. Um, so, you know, European style, style biking is just a little bit different. And I thought it was really interesting. I hope you got at least something out of this pair talk. Um, Besides just like <laughs> like my uh, vacation slideshow kind of thing going on. But um, if you have any comments about European versus American cycling or if you have any comments about what I've said, um, I'd love to hear from you. You can get a hold of me at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can tweet me directly at ragbright underscore Andrea. Or if you'd like to send an email to us, you can send it to justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. And I'd also love to hear your questions. Um you know, send them to me. I'm back in the USA, baby, and I'm ready to answer your questions. Um, but for now, I'm going to deal with some pretty serious jet lag. <laughs> and um, I'll talk to you next week. Adios. We've reached the end of another edition of the Jisco Bike Podcast. Just like to quickly thank our sponsors, PrimalWare out of Denver, Colorado, the Iowa City Coralville Convention Visitor Bureau, and Bikes to You out of Grinnell. Thanks for sponsoring this podcast. You can find our show notes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on this show? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Just Go Bike. Be sure to subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast and join us next week for more.
Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.